you want to figure out how can I go out there in the world and feel quote unquote normal. I had the privilege of meeting incredible people that you would really only meet by chance. There's a lot of places on this planet that have humbled the shit out of me. I think the thing that makes you unique and different is the thing that's going to position you for success. I don't shine if you don't shine. I was glowing. You were truly in my damn homeland. Hi guys, welcome back to On She Goes, the podcast. This is episode two of season four. Becca's here. Rebecca's here. Hey. Farron and Vivian are not here. That's okay though. (laughs) Um, Today we're going to have a talk um, about solo travel. We've talked about solo travel before, but we're kind of going to address this New York Times article, uh, Adventurous Alone and Attacked, AAA. Um, It came out in March and literally everybody and their mama sent it to me, including my mama, actually. And I was like, you don't even read the New York Times. I don't know. You went out of your way to find this. Yeah, how did you get wind of this? Um, Wait, was that before or after your trip? This was after my trip. So I was Uh, like, I survived. I'm good, y'all. But, um, yeah, you know, you got to do a little uh, post-fear you know, right. if you're a parent, you have to instill the fear oh, absolutely. after the fact so that you don't, you don't, don't do, do it again. again. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and uh, so this article came out. It was written by written by two young ladies. And they were basically highlighting some of the things that have happened in recent, I'm assuming, years mm-hmm. to some women who were traveling solo. Now, I have kind of a perspective on this um, that might be controversial, Reason being, uh, I said it before, before I even left for Barcelona and the other podcast episode that I just don't trust people because I think they're generally crazy. Most people, <laughs> most people are. And like, I'm not saying that um, 100% nothing should ever happen to you. No one has a right to put their hands on you. No one has a right to touch you. But like certain things I was reading about this made me feel like there's a little bit of fear mongering happening in this article, which, was, which means I was kind of surprised to, to see it written from two women. Um, but at the same time, I also have to understand that everybody has different levels of fear. Right. And I mean, the thing about it is like stuff, dangerous things can pretty much happen anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it can happen anywhere you go. It can also happen when you're with a group of people. I mean, I've had friends that have, like, we've been traveling and have gone off to be like, oh, I'm going to go meet this guy who I met, you know, go hang with this dude I met in Jamaica on the beach. Yeah. And it's like, I've gotten very upset at those times. But, you know, it is what it is because I feel like there are certain situations that you can stay away from mm-hmm. to keep mm-hmm. yourself out of harm's way. It's kind of great the three of us are having this conversation together because mm-hmm. all Rebecca's like known for solo travel. Mm-hmm. She travels so often. So you went on your first solo trip to Spain mm-hmm. and I just came back from my first solo trip to Maui. So we all just did this mm-hmm. and we're all here and we're safe mm-hmm. and we're fine. Mm-hmm. And if I had read this before I went to Hawaii, I probably would have canceled my flight. Like, really? You know, it just, it, I am someone who has, I, I mean, going on a solo trip was such a big step for me, like, yeah. in my life. Like, it was in my goals of 2019, mm-hmm. but it was just, like, I am such a, a fearful person, I think, mm-hmm. that comes from being in a Latin overprotective family. You yeah. know, your parents want to do everything to make sure you're okay, but with that, that turns you into a very, like, overly vigilant to a Mm -hmm. point of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really frustrating to frame it that way because it's like, oh, it doesn't matter if you do everything right, you're going to get attacked no matter what. And that is so not 
true. Like I wish there were more statistics to say like, actually the reality is like, it does suck when these things happen. For and sure. it's like, n of course we never wish upon anybody to be harmed yeah. with travel, but it happens, to, it can happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. yeah. It can happen to men, it can happen to women, it happens to children. Like, it's just like, the statistic should be there of like, how often are people like disappearing from traveling alone you know yeah. like it's like how big or small is that number reality yeah. that's what should be yeah. looked at versus like it being posed as like this only happens to women and you guys shouldn't do it because you can do everything right and it's still gonna go wrong and that's a yeah. really good point because like i that's one of the things i was saying is that i don't feel like there are statistics in this article as much as they're like but if you look under the hashtag, there's all these people doing yeah. this. And it's like, you're looking at a hashtag, which is not actual numbers. It's all anecdotes. And I think um, what they did was they conflated women traveling solo with gender-based violence, which can happen anywhere. 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 With any amount of people or any group. And if you live there. Yeah. Um, For sure. And they bring it up in a few ways, but they don't explicitly say it. But I think that, I don't know, to add to the whatever they were trying to do with this article, they just kind of... Uh, kept those two together as opposed to breaking them out and mm -hmm. speaking about them as two separate issues. Mm -hmm. I know that these uh, two two young ladies had to, they didn't have to, but they kind of started like, uh, they were doing other podcast interviews and kind of speaking to what they were writing about. And I guess the thing for me is like, my question is, and the fact that two women wrote it, I'm like, okay, I can see this and I understand. And again, like I said, everybody's level of fear is different. Mine actually is pretty high but I kind of like the mentality I had to take to Barcelona was the one of I'm gonna treat this place like I treat any other place I go to in the U.S. Absolutely. Like I still watch my back I still don't like walk around super late at night by myself like I don't wander aimlessly unless I'm like it's broad daylight I usually try to have an objective like it's just that that's kind of how I behaved in, in, how I behave in Portland, it's how I behaved in New York, it's how I behaved in Philly, it's how mm -hmm. I behave in, in D.C. It just is what it is. And like, and shit can still happen to you right. even when you're doing that. But like, you know, I also try to be as prepared as possible. Like, where am I going? Like, where am I staying? Even the times when I used to travel for work, <clears throat> when I worked in reality TV and I'd end up in like the most random places like Brennan, Texas or random places in like Iowa or, <laughs> you know, places like that. I would always try. And this was like before Google Maps. This was like in the map quest days. Yeah. So where I had like printed directions. So I really <laughs> had to like look and like, you know, make sure I was going the right way while I was driving. And I'd always tried to like have an objective of like, this is when I'm gonna like look at my map and make sure I'm going in the right direction. So I'm like, I can get to this point and then I need to figure out where to get to the next point. Or like, even with the hotels, you know, I try not to let people know that I'm alone. Mm -hmm. You know, to be honest, like when I went to Barcelona, I I did feel, feel a little nervous because I told like the bartender at the bar yeah. that I was traveling alone. And like, that made me a little nervous because I was like, shit, I don't know him. He could be crazy. He could have crazy mm -hmm. friends. He could be like, yo, this girl's traveling alone. I see her every day, yep, blah, blah, blah. I blah. where she's coming from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, there was a couple of times where I came in pretty wasted. I did do that. I did get pretty drunk a couple of times, but I immediately promptly got my ass into a cab. But also I downloaded like their version of Uber, yeah. which I was like, okay, because I want to be tracked. And yes. you took those roofie strips. I did take you the sure roofie did. strips. Yes, I did. Um, I also didn't really drink drinks that were like out of my sight like I literally watch people make my drinks or like hand me my beers and then I just like yeah did it that way 
Um, I probably got a little bit more lax as time went on because I started to get a bit more comfortable with the city and I started to know my way around. But for the most part, I was like very on guard of like, you know, I had all my stuff inside in my inside pockets. Um, I didn't really try to appear like I didn't know where I was going. Okay, I remember a long time ago, Sorry, I'm not trying to dominate this, guys. <laughs> I remember a long time ago, um, I was in, when I was in New York, and we were worked at, at Wife Swap, and one of my coworkers, her roommate, had gotten, um, unfortunately, someone had followed her to her door, and she had gotten, like, like raped and robbed, like, raped for hours. And she, she survived and everything, but... Um, you know, our team was a bunch of women. Mm-hmm. It was nothing but women. We stayed at work super late all the time. We worked from like ten to ten. Yeah. Um, and like you know, we we take cabs home and stuff like that. But still, you know, a lot of times we'd have to walk, or if we got off later earlier than that, we'd have to take the train. Either way, it was dark. Um, and we had an officer come in and talk to us, and the officer was basically like talking to us about how like who gets targeted most of the time, criminals and stuff like that. And one one thing he said to me was, criminals and people who have malicious intent are incredibly lazy. To the point where it's like, and I don't want to make a gross generalization on that, but this is what he said. He was like to the point where if you kind of come off like you don't know where you're going or you're just kind of like wandering or you're just, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's more than likely that you'll be a target versus if you're kind of like walking with purpose. You know what I mean? Like when you're walking with purpose, people they really don't want to be bothered because they don't want to have to put up the. They don't exactly. Do when all the self defense classes I've taken, because it was like probably the one thing that Baylor did kind of right with mm-hmm. my uh, sorority. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they didn't believe that. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there was one time they made us after like all the you know sexual assault scandals on campus. They made all the women in the sorority take like a self defense course, mm-hmm. and yeah, they're like you know. If you wear your hair down and it's easy to grab, like it's like anything that's like easily accessible, that's what they're gonna go for. But the second you like do even a little bit of a fight is when they like start to to run because they're retreat. like, oh my gosh, like if you're making noise, if you mm-hmm. you know are able to like mm-hmm. uh, elbow them back and like do the few moves that there are to like self defense, like they typically will mm-hmm. stop. I mean, that's not to say there aren't aggressive big well, people sure. out there, but yeah, it's like it's you're a target because you seem easy to be a target. Mm-hmm. So if you're more vigilant mm-hmm. and you're just thinking about where you are, um, and women I think tend to more so than men, mm-hmm. you know, and the thing that really rubbed me on this article a little bit um one of the sentences that just stuck out to me was um many women experience catcalls and myriad other forms of harassment while traveling women of color have written about being dismissed or ignored abroad because of their race Mm -hmm. and while violence against male tourists is just as devastating the harrowing experiences of female solo travelers can still shock the senses and that to me right there is like so you're saying male travelers experience Similar violence, Mm -hmm. but why are we fear-mongering female violence right right now? Like, you're literally saying right here that it's the same. It's the same kind of principle. But, like, the women's stories are so shocking. Yeah, it's the same kind of principle as, like, so if your school is giving you guys self-defense, why? what are they telling the men? Exactly. Stop being a (laughs) fucking jerk and attacking women. Like, it's the same kind of thing. And that's, like, to Jessica Nabongo's point, Jessica wrote, like, a rebuttal. 
um, to this article basically saying, like, don't be super fearful. Like, don't give in to this fear. Don't let it stop you. And she's like, the narrative of telling women to be careful solo traveling versus telling men to stop attacking women. Right. Yes. Like, that's the thing where it's like, okay, like, you know, where is that? There's no give and take there. And it's always, and that's why I said, like, it, it feels like a bigger thing where it's like, it's always just our fault. Yeah. yeah. You it, know? It's it, on us to defend ourselves. It was also frustrating because they didn't propose any types of solutions. They even start with saying that the woman did everything that you should do and she still got attacked. So it's kind of like, what was the point of this yeah. Yeah. article? To make to us make feel worse. Right. Yeah. Fear mongering. Do you not want people to travel anymore? Like, what right. happened? What is the deal? And yeah. like, that's the other thing. And then I'm, I don't know if it was like, they talked about like gender norms and stereotypes in other countries. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I mean, I think making yourself aware of those things is just good practice in general for like custom sake you know what I mean just like to make sure that you're like you know obeying and honoring people's customs and stuff like that like you know covering up if you're going into a mosque etc etc but like the narrative behind not telling men that they don't have a right to women's bodies or a right to you know Mm -hmm. women in general is a problem it's a global problem it's a huge huge problem and it's like it really was weird to me and then also Um, There was another um, article. So I started reading all these articles that were kind of piggybacking off of this New York Times article. Vox did one. It was written by Gail Straub. And it's the the quote was like, I don't want to sit at home waiting. These women reject the idea of dangerous solo travel. And it says taking solo travel away from women is inherently misogynist. One hundred percent. So it's like, why can't I go and explore the world by myself? Like, why does it have to be a situation where and like I can be prepared. Mm-hmm. I can go in like, you know, why can't I venture out and do these things without it? I just I can't wrap my head around just the gender bias in the entire world. It's just so, like, the fact, like, even the fact that this, I don't know, guys, it kind of frustrates me. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's definitely super, frustrating. It's super frustrating. It's something I have, like, a personal internal battle with all the time because it's like, why, where is my rooted fear? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, I am such a fearful person. I am such an anxiety-ridden mm-hmm. person. I'm such an over-prepared person. But, like, it's like, why am I that person? Mm-hmm. Is it innate or is it because I've been socially... Uh, conform to feel like I have to be that way in order to mm-hmm. be able to walk around in the world. Mm-hmm. That is so frustrating. And it's, I am constantly trying to figure out how I break that barrier within myself and mm-hmm. not let that fear stop me from doing stuff, you know, mm-hmm, like right. from being able to go out and have a good time and do it alone and enjoy it for me versus having to feel like, well, I need to plan this trip with somebody because, you know, what if anything happens and right. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And like you brought up to a point at the very beginning, Sarita, this stuff can happen when you're with a group. You oh, know, it anytime. doesn't it doesn't matter if it ha- like something my therapist actually told me, which it wasn't with travel per se, but it was with my own anxiety and PTSD from getting my apartment broken into. Um, it's like what's going to happen is going to happen but what you need to do is find solace in that you have prepared as much as you possibly can for the situation for sure mm-hmm. and then whatever happens happens you can't beat yourself up on like what is going to happen what could mm-hmm. happen or what does happen mm-hmm. you have to know that you did the most that yeah. you could for yourself and like let that be and then mm-hmm. just ride that wave yeah so when i went to hawaii 
you know, I I was so worked up up on I like didn't even believe I was like going on this trip until like I got on the plane. I was like, <laughs> I can't believe I did this. I booked this entire trip Yay! by myself, yeah. and we did it. Yeah. Uh, but that first day, I like had this like ball of anxiety in my chest. Like I felt this like I could feel the weight on my chest. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I was like, I can't believe I'm in this foreign place by myself. Like I am mm-hmm. genuinely alone here on this beach, mm-hmm. anywhere at this restaurant. like, And then it took a couple days for me to be like, it's not any different than being in Portland. I walk around Portland by myself. I, I mean, not at night, but like, you know, I, I live yeah. my life in Portland mm-hmm. by myself. Like I'm comfortable with shopping by myself, with eating by myself. Mm-hmm. In the city of Portland, why does it have to be any different than when yeah. I'm in Maui or wherever next? 100%, yeah. So. You know, another thing that's kind of along those lines of like, the gender bias and, and like misogynistic ideas is the fact that like, why is it that for women? It's like, oh, well, if you get married, you can't go anywhere. Right. If you get like, like I really admire um, our girlfriend, Palin Anise, who I remember Palin had gotten married. And then like a month after she got married, I was on the phone with her and she's like, oh, I'm going to London. And I was like, well, who are you going with? She's like, by myself. And this was like in 2005 Ooh. yeah, or 2006. This is a while ago. And I was like, uh, we had like just graduated college. And I was like, oh, okay. And my first initial reaction was, okay, well, what does your husband say about that? And she was like, oh, it's fine. And it, <laughs> I just assumed, and that just goes to show you where my head was. Yeah. My head was thinking in the terms of like, yo, you have a husband, you can't go nowhere. Like without I, him. Without him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just booked and by yourself. Like, right. But it's you shouldn't necessarily have that mentality. And that's the thing that I feel like is ingrained in our society. It's like once a, it's almost like you women, we don't really, it, it feels like society doesn't feel like we have our lives of our own and we're reclaiming those. And this felt like a step back. Yeah, absolutely felt like a step back. You know yeah. what I mean? It felt like, oh, we're finally in the space that where the narrative is changing and we're powerful and we're allowed to have opinions and we're allowed to do all these things and people are seeing us as equals. And then now it's like, be careful because you know you're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, come on. Yeah. And I'm not saying that these stories shouldn't be told they should be told all of these women and I'm not victim shaming at all because obviously homegirl in the beginning did everything right yeah and you know what I mean and then like the young lady um in uh Thailand you know I I feel super sorry for her and I definitely pray for her recovery and her you know pray for her family and everything um and again I'm not victim shaming but I just think that changing the narrative a bit to say this did happen, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen to you because the thing about fear is the immediate the immediate response to it is everybody feels like this exact thing is going to happen to me. Right. You know, it's not a, oh, this can happen. It's, oh, it's going to happen to me. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? It also seemed very regressive in the countries that they chose to profile the violence. And the first one was Bolivia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the second one was Thailand. Oh, it was Costa Rica. Costa Rica, Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Bolivia. Costa Rica and Thailand. So, like, two countries that are not necessarily developing, but those that aren't seen in the same light as, like, European countries and yeah. America. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm pretty sure that those types of crimes are even more rampant in those places. Mm-hmm. So I felt that it was just kind of of like uh, punching down mm-hmm. to speak on those two countries, even though the, the one was definitely really publicized, but yeah. it's just kind of like, why and what is the angle behind all of this? Right, and let's not sleep on the fact that there's so many um, missing and murdered um, women of color, trans women, native women, 
in America. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, come on now. Like, don't sit here and act like just because this you doesn't happen the here. States yeah. means that it's but not going down. They kind of glossed over it. For, they were they just said something about women of color could be um, could be seen as prostitutes in Europe. And it was like, well, let's dig deeper into that because yeah. that sounds super offensive as well. Like, right. why are we stopping there with that problem. one sentence as opposed to just, you know, like going in and digging deep and finding these horror stories in other countries that aren't necessarily as... Um, Developed. Develop, yeah, developed. Mm-hmm. And that's the crazy thing. Even from being in a developed nation, it's like, well, obviously, because like, like I said, I what I when I came back, I was like, I felt safer in Barcelona than I did in and I mean, and obviously Barcelona is a developed oh yeah country. But I mean, you know, my city, excuse me, developed city. Spain's a developed country, but like I just felt safer in general being outside the United States. I felt safer when I went to Shanghai. I mean, goodness, I felt much safer in Shanghai. We walked the streets at three o'clock in the morning. Now, granted, I was with two guys, but at the end of the day, it was like, I just felt so much safer because I know what the the weapons rules are there and things like that. We're here. Every time I see somebody holding a cell phone or even a paper bag, I'm like, is that a gun? Mostly because I can't see. (laughs) But the fact that that it's a possibility is is an issue. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I think that's something we as America purposely like negate in conversation. Like when we went to the Women's Travel Fest in New York, one of the keynote speakers, I don't remember which one, was kind of touching on that point where it's like, we as women are taught to be afraid to travel the world, even in groups, you know, whatever, just in general, like women mm-hmm. traveling. But then we don't think about the fact that like, America is not the safest country. Like we have this idea because we live in America and this is our dailyhood that it's like, oh yeah, like everywhere else is so different than here. But like, we have some of the least safe, like gun laws, violence laws in certain ways. So it's just like, you go to other countries and it's like, they don't even have those kinds of weapons. Mm-hmm. So it's like the things that we're afraid of here aren't even the reality of in those other places. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, right. it's, and but like, that's not the perspective we're taught. Like there's always such an otherism of like anything that isn't America or like Eurocentric, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, London and France and like all that stuff is mm-hmm. so romanticized. And then us, and then everything else is like, oh, you know? Yeah. And it's like, actually there's a lot of places that are safer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a mentality I feel like you need to have or take into travel sometimes. Um, and this is a mentality that I've kind of been growing to adapt is like, and this is when I travel anywhere. I'm going home in uh, a day. So it's like f- flying all the way to Philly from Portland, you know. Um, I don't want to tell people I'm leaving town. Scratch that. Um, people robbing me. <laughs> that's that fear. Yeah, that's that fear. I don't want anybody trying to rob me. Um, no, you don't have to scratch it. But, uh, yeah, like, that's the whole thing about it where it's like you have to just kind of accept the fact that whatever is meant to happen to you is going to happen to you. And, that, and I say this about things like um, terrorist attacks. I kind of, you can't, it's so hard to live in fear I remember, like, okay, so I lived across the street from the Pentagon on 9-11. And, like, I remember the days after and being so terrified. But needing to find a way to get over that trauma and not be scared anymore. Because I literally was like, oh, snap, every day, like, so I'm going to get, it's we're going to get blown up. And it wasn't because, like, I was fearing any particular group of people. It was just mostly because, like, something traumatic had happened and it just missed me. So, like, maybe it's trying to, I don't know, maybe it's trying to get me. Right. But I had to, like, break myself out of that. Like, you know, when 
it just feels like you have to kind of just say, listen, I mean, not I'm not trying to push religion on nobody because I'm not a very religious person, but like you <laughs> have to kind of get the let go and let God mentality. Yeah. You know what I mean? And be like, look, I need to still experience this. Like I had a bad flight from Barcelona to Germany when I was coming back and I was shooketh. Like <laughs> shook if. Like literally my plane like landed was like an inch off the ground and went right back up into the sky like immediately after and I was like, Well, this Lord, is it. <laughs> today is the day. Like I was sure of it. But the and I was like pretty scared, but I was also kind of like keeping comfort in the fact that it's like, well, you know. What you, yeah, what are you really gonna do? What can I do? What yeah, I'm gonna go up there and be like, I got this, let me land this right quick. Like, no, I don't, I don't have the skills. It's just the fact. <laughs> like, skills. so, I mean. You have to learn how to do everything. Yeah, it's like, so might as well become a pilot I just now. had to like, let it go, you know? I think the general thing is like, we have to, as a society and as even a travel organization, we have to really figure out a way to change the narrative and to make sure that men and other people who are attacking women are being held accountable in the sense to say, like, this is wrong. Right. Not just women, be careful, because these men, they just out here. No, like, this is wrong. And it's not all men. I know that. So the few men that do listen to this podcast don't come at us. <laughs> but, like, also mind your business, because this ain't for you. Sorry, Keenan. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you just have to, like, really keep in mind that it's, like, not always, the narrative should not always be, you know, women be careful you need to make sure you completely change your life mm-hmm. so that you don't get attacked or so that this does not happen to you because that's the old narrative it is yeah and just as people were getting more comfortable with seeing more of the world and travel has become so accessible just it does seem like a big step back does to say oh you can do it still but you have to do a hundred more things than you would have to do mm-hmm. and even if you're as prepared as you can be bad things can still happen good luck yeah <laughs> You travel solo all the time. Do you still get nervous? Um, no. Which you all know I have very low blood pressure. So I don't think I have, like, the physical ability to get, get, like, riled up. I'd be hyped and Rebecca be, like, real chill. I'm like, damn. Would you say your aunt said you have the blood pressure of a sloth? She did. My aunt is a a registered nurse. And once she told me I had the same blood pressure as a sloth. So (laughs) it stuck with me. Just, like, I don't don't really get too stressed out. But I kind of see, like, when I land, and as Becca had mentioned, like, when you get there and you realize, oh, shit, I can do anything. That's the kind of feeling that I get. And so it's always been more invigorating because I do feel like my nine to five is so structured that when I go to a different country and I'm by myself, I'm like, oh, I can do whatever I want. And you get a certain sense of freedom with that. You get like total freedom with that. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't think that I've ever really been scared. I also do Google incredibly thoroughly, like safety mm-hmm. and violence rates and where mm-hmm. I'm staying and like different types of places to avoid and mm-hmm. um, gun laws. Um all the different types of laws and things that you would need to just be prepared. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even realize that the cops in Spain didn't have guns. Oh, yeah. That, like, blew my mind when somebody said that. And I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, so they can't, like, shoot me in my back as I run away? <laughs> and they're like, no, but why would you? Like, they're yeah, not like... even going to mess with you. Like, they don't even, <laughs> they don't care about you. And it was just very interesting to me. I was like, damn, we need to do better we as do. a country. Like, the United States, we need to get this shit way together. Um... But before we uh, take off, uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that we are trying to build our 
Facebook community. We are. Um, on She Goes Travel Community for Women of Color on Facebook. And we want to have these discussions on there. We want people to feel like they can, you know, get on and talk about these things. So feel free to go onto Facebook, go into On She Goes, and like On She Goes, and also just, like, join the community group. And feel free to post. Yeah. Feel free to add to the discussion, ask questions. The whole point is that we need each other because, obviously, the travel industry is not helping us that much. Um, they're trying. They're getting a little better, but at the end of the day, it, there's still a lot of um, disparity there. Uh, in addition to that, we have a wonderful contributor story from Brene Spence. Uh, so that's coming up next, and please enjoy. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. Bye. Bye. This is the story of the time we lost a seven-year-old lady on the underground in London. <laughs> so it was a group of seven of us, all from the Bahamas, and we were going to London for the first time for a short vacation. We got in at Gatwick Airport and decided to catch the Gatwick Express to the Victoria Station and then transfer to Pimlico Station, which was a five-minute walk from our hotel. When we arrived at Victoria Station was where it all went downhill. We didn't expect for the station to be so packed with people. And I thought that New York subway had a lot of people, but Victoria Station had about twice the amount of people. We barely scraped through the crowds trying to get our Oyster cards, and when we finally did, it was time to go down the never-ending escalator to the Pimlico Line. One by one, we each trailed down the long escalator to the Pimlico Line, rushing at the same pace as the crowd or else suffer getting stumbled over. Finally arriving at the Pimlico line, each with our purses and carry-ons, we realized that we were missing one person. Somewhere along the way from the escalator to the Pimlico line, we literally lost someone in our group, and it unfortunately had to be the 70-year-old lady. <laughs> Knowing she had no phone or any way of contacting us, we decided to wait about five minutes, thinking she would be right behind us and just got lost throughout the rush. But after that five minutes passed, we began to think about other factors. Me and my mom then decided to start to search around the area while the other four waited by the Pimlico line just in case she showed up. After searching for another five minutes, we came back to the group and realized that she was not in the section. Then we decided to check the other lines. We hastily walked along the other lines, praying that we'd see her. Again, with no luck, we decided to go back to the group to think about possible situations. Did she hop on a tube and went to a different station? Does she know the name of the hotel that we're staying at? Did she even know that we were going to the Pimlico line? For the next 10 minutes, we were there trying to find a solution to all of these problems until someone finally decided to ask the security officer for help. The security officer decided to call her name out over the intercom about three times. After calling out her name over an interval of like 10 minutes, there was no luck. Then another security officer decided to make the decision to tell all the other guides in the building to stay on alert for a woman who fits the description of our missing 70-year-old lady and who looked a bit lost. We decided to wait for another five to 10 minutes and there still was no luck. Bear in mind, all this time, at least two of us from the group would go around and walk to different lines and attempt to find her while the rest of us would stay and wait just in case she might show up again. After all the searching and bickering of who was supposed to watch her, we all decided that she must have got on the tube and left the building. After coming to this conclusion, we just agreed to go to our hotel and find a solution from there. So we gave the security officers our contact information just in case she might show back up 
unexpectedly. Let's just say, unlike the arguing that we were all doing in the underground, the walk to the hotel was really quiet. We were all dumbfounded that we literally lost a complete person on our first day in London. After arriving and checking in at our hotel, we were waiting in the lobby for our rooms to be ready when all of a sudden, the missing lady walks through the front door of the hotel. <laughs> I swear the only thing you can hear was hallelujahs and thank you lords and the clerk knowing our circumstance asks, was this the missing lady you all were so upset about? Completely ignoring the clerk, we all bombarded her with questions asking her what the heck happened. She told us that when she got on the escalator behind all of us, she fell down and tripped over her bags and onto another person on the escalator. Knowing that she was the only one with a full-size suitcase and a carry-on and a purse, we all knew that someone should have at least helped her with one of her bags. She also told us that by the time she got up and recollected herself, we were all nowhere in sight and she had no idea which line we were even supposed to go to. So instead of waiting around, she decided to leave Victoria Station and walk to the hotel, which name she only knew because my mom wrote it on her bag tag. So this meant that the entire time when we were asking security guards for help, walking along the different lines, calling out her name over the intercom, she was on her way to the hotel, not even in the building. She also told us that the only way she got to the hotel was by asking random people on the street for directions to the hotel, and she eventually made it. After all of this, you can literally feel the tension in the atmosphere drop, which is such a relief because this was only the first day of our trip. The two most important things I learned from this trip was to always make sure you know where you're going in a foreign land and that you have a method of contact to someone in your group or at least someone back home. I also know now that whenever you travel with someone 70 years or older, don't go with them on the underground in London unless they know exactly where they're supposed to go and they can keep up with the fast pace. So